for a little while, Scott. Uh, At least let her get to the vocal. Thank you for doing this. I, yeah. Honestly, I already love you. Stop talking I, over it. <laughs> you must understand the touch of your hand makes my pulse react. You know why I'm playing this? I think I do. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even know if we talked about it. Did we you watch the Tina documentary? On yes. HBO? Yes. We, we, you and I, we were, we were always in mixed company, so we haven't had a chance to have this conversation. Right. And uh, I was blown away by it. I, me too. Yeah. I, I, I think I told you, uh, you and uh, Kasha actually. I said it was Chapter Five that blew me away. Where yeah. She talks right. About chapter love. Five. Chapter Five is where I got teary eyed. Hmm. Listen to that. Now this. Yeah. There you go. Yep. Let it play for a little. Mm-hmm. Feel it. So, yeah, I was blown away. This is a thing. I, you know, I as an adult, I know about yep. Tina Turner. I, I knew about the abuse, but I didn't know the details about the abuse yep. that, you know, she went through. But um, I, I and like in the 80s, I, it, that's when I discovered Tina Turner, 84-ish, right? When Private Dancer came out. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, who's this old woman? And she was only 39. I'm like, geez, look at this old lady. Yeah. But... Um, <laughs> And it's then, true though. It, well, I mean, like that right. I, I I didn't know. And uh but her story, absolutely incredible. Um, like if you ever feel like giving up, put that show on. I mean, it it's an amazing two hours. It, it reminded me a lot of the, the Quincy Jones. Did you watch that? Oh. oh, how good is that? I mean, come on. Scott, did you see the Quincy Jones one? Yeah. I did not. Oh, watch it. It's it's yeah, called Quincy. Can. Very easy. Yeah. Scott, that'll believe me, it'll make you feel better. Yeah. Why Scott feel bad today? Oh, I don't know. Just in general. Okay. You know, it makes right. you feel better. <laughs> um, but Tina, I'm, I'm so honestly, like I was saying before, it's like, I, I already love you after 40 years, but I couldn't love you more for just playing that right then. Because it's like, it was, it was, it was just such a great documentary. And you know what? She just owned it because unfortunately she never could get away from the whole abuse thing. No, Matt, like that, that, that was everybody incredible. Everybody kept bringing up like, well, what about Ike? What about Ike? And she's right. like, fine. And here she is setting the world on fire with, you know, private dancer. Yeah. She's, Selling out arenas. Who cared about Ike? It's and like she, like, what about Ike? Yeah. yeah. Why, why? She already left him behind. She left him in the dust. Yeah. And he's like in jail, you know, alcoholic, drugs. <laughs> totally. Go find him. He'll tell you about right. Ike. But I love how she did find love. And the thing I think that it was that that got me emotional, but really got me emotional was just like when she said it about, you know, hey, when you're, it's okay to be proud. And when you're proud, it's wonderful. But then when's the right time to just, how do you slowly step off the stage? And she did it. And then her husband goes, this documentary and the Broadway show yeah. are Tina's way of- It was her swan song. It's her swan song. Yeah. And even now I get emotional about it. It's like, well, maybe she'll do an interview again sometime, but that's it. Yeah. She's done. Scott, let me tell you why what? he's emotional. When we were growing up, he was oh. a huge Tina Turner fan. But yeah. when Private Dancer came yeah. out, like George had Tina Turner and Cindy Lauper on his bedroom walls and posters. Nice. Did. And anybody you know, else with crazy hair that you had on your yeah, walls? Yeah. You know, anybody else? They, they both had crazy hair. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, they did. Did they you did. have the, who else? Well, well, my spirits. Dad, well, my dad was bald, so, you know. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, he had those on his wall. So that, I mean, that should have been, you know, our signs of that we knew you <laughs> yes. were a, a gay man. Yep. Yeah. And remember how excited I was during Live Aid when oh, Tina I was know, up with there Mick. with Mick? Yeah. I couldn't sit down. I know. Everybody's making fun of me. You lost it. But yeah, no, that was, uh, 
it was a, it was a great a game and it was a good time. It, it was, was a good uh, a good watch. If you people have access to HBO, put it on, watch it, and uh, uh, get inspired. So, yep. uh, George, what are you doing today? This is a different show. It is a different show. We have two guests today. We've got um, both are entrepreneurs. One is a budding entrepreneur. One is is in the midst of her entrepreneurship. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, entrepreneurship. I like how you did that. Um, so we've got Jing Lin and we've got returning guest Rebecca Condrat on oh, yeah. today. Also my online girlfriend. Uh, yes, your yes. online girlfriend, yeah. Rebecca. So yeah. Jing Lin is of Coffee Confessionals. Um, we're going to talk to her first. And I love gonna, that name. And then we're going to bring, bring Rebecca Condrat of Condrat Retail and her new venture, Retail Plus, in a little bit further with the conversation. But yeah. we're going to start That'll with be Jing because our listeners don't know her yet. I like how you said Bing. Have you ever used Bing instead of Google? No. no. I, lo I love how they do the Bing car. It's like a broken down car. Like, <laughs> so it's Bing. Look, everybody, it's Bing. It's like everything else is sleek. Yeah. All right. I'm sorry to take you off track. Go ahead. <laughs> no. So, um, so yeah. So, Jing uh, has, a, has, a, has a very interesting background, and she is now um, the founder of Coffee Confessionals, and she's very close, uh, almost breaking news, getting ready to sign her first lease. What? So, we're going to talk to her now. Jing. No, well, that's huge. Yeah. Jing, welcome to welcome, the show. Jing. Rebecca will bring you in in a minute. Jing, welcome. Good yeah. to have you. First time Hi, guest. Guys. I'm so excited to be on this show. Um, and yeah, it's, I, I don't know about breaking news. This, I'm coming very close to a shop that I really like. So fingers crossed that this might be the one. <laughs> well, good. Mine are crossed for you. I hope it works. And, and Jing, just and let everybody how know, how, <laughs> when, when did this, you know, talk to us a little bit about when the idea for Coffee Confessionals came up and a little bit behind, behind it. Because when you first reached out to me, full transparency, Jing did call me a couple years ago about it. We had met through a mutual friend. Okay. Yeah. And um, I, in my mind, I was like, why the hell does she want to open a coffee shop? Yeah. Did you even know her at that point? No, no, not and, at all. And I wasn't trying to talk her out of it, but I was like, all right, let, let me, let me hear what she wants to say because I'm like okay. a coffee shop. Who wants to have a coffee shop? Whoa, really? It's so funny you say that, George, because I get that even from the beginning, I get that so many times People are like, why, why would you want to open up a coffee shop? Like why a brick and mortar? So, mm. you know, you, so you can have free coffee so you can sit there all day. Like, you know, um, so it has been, I feel like sort of an uphill battle, just convincing everybody, including my family, that this is like what I want to do. But um, I guess you're asking is like kind of the origin story of how uh, Coffee Confessionals came about. And it's actually, I was a film major in college and I was always interested in sort of that story sharing aspect um, of film. And I was interested in documentaries and I was interested in really like telling kind of an inspirational and moving, movie, moving story. So um, that's sort of my background. And I was uh, studying in Boston. I grew up in New Jersey and eventually made my way out to Los Angeles because, you know, you have to go to L.A. if that's if you want to pursue, you know, an entertainment career. And from L.A., I uh, started working at Universal, landed a great job at Universal yep. in their promotions and marketing department. And, you know, loved, loved, loved my first year there. It was crazy. It was busy all of this, um, everything I dreamt of, it was glamorous. And then after a while, I just felt the creative, like the creative itch again, because I wasn't necessarily, you know, behind cameras doing the kind of work I wanted. I was more like behind a computer doing a desk job and, you know, like making money for the studio and everything. But I was like, God, I just miss storytelling. I miss 
you know, the creativity. I miss being able to really highlight and spotlight people and their stories and things like that. So I kind of, in some, in some ways, I felt like I lost my way. Um, so I thought, hmm, what am I going to do? Well, maybe I'll just do a little side project. And I started a blog because I like writing and I like photography. And then I was like, well, what am I going to blog about? Who's going to, you know, what's my subject matter? Um, and, and then I was like, well, I also love coffee. And I feel like coffee is the perfect vehicle for people that um, want to share their stories and for people to make a connection with a friend or a family member. And so that's really just how it came, came about. I was thinking, okay, coffee, um, what are you doing with coffee? You're, uh, you're, you're telling your story. You're giving a confession. You're giving a confessional. So the coffee confessional, that's, that's how it started, literally. <laughs> Well, and then you also had the booth. It, 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 we got into it a little more where there was the booth, right? You were going to do yeah. the booth and people were getting, you know, it was all about people telling their stories and how many of them want it public. And that's where I was just a little like, oh God, that's going to be a little scary. But it was a very, it's, it's it, when you think about how much people, I mean, Todd and I make fun of it all the time. Which? How many people like share too much online? Oh yeah. So here I am being concerned about it. Yeah. And nowadays, Todd and I are looking at people like, uh-huh. Yeah, they like, go deep. Yeah, yeah, people are like, you know, I'm getting electrolysis today. Yeah. Oh, you know, it's like, what well, the there's hell? There's so many people on cleanse diets too. Like, oh. I, I, there was one point I had two yeah. people giving a daily like diary of their cleanse. Nobody needs to know that. No, nobody does. So, no. Jing, maybe dive a little more into that though. Like, what <laughs> yeah. the what the your your the the emotion. I don't know the emotional component. Yeah, absolutely. So. um so actually in the back of my mind, even though I was starting this blog, I was like, okay, so the end goal, I really actually want to open up a shop of my own. And how can you um, facilitate that aspect of storytelling and story sharing? You know, it's not like without forcing you know people to do it. And my initial, I would say like concept one was actually, I was uh, going back to kind of like my film background. I was like, well, how could we get people on film? How could we get like their audio clips and I was started to look into video booths. You know, you would see those video booths if you're going to like a convention in Vegas and right. they're like, how's your experience? Things like that. I actually wanted to put like a kind of a confessional, very similar to a confessional inside the coffee shop. And we would have different topics every month of, you know, things that you could share. It could be, you know, something that's very um, mm -hmm. fun and light like what's your favorite uh beverage or you know what what is your goal this month to something maybe a little bit um deeper or heavier just you know sort of what if what is the personal battle that you have you know undergone lately and then you know i wanted to just put all these stories together and bring them together kind of like um humans uh humans of new york you know where they have right, that compilation right. of mm -hmm. these, just these beautiful moving uh human interest stories so i wanted to create kind of a you know um like a movie version of that. Right. And then put out something a little bit inspirational for uh, people every, every two weeks, every month, just, you know, things that other people are sharing about their lives because, um, because I really feel, you know, once you're sharing your story and telling people about, you know, your trials and tribulations, it's really when it gives other people the courage and inspiration yep. to, you know, go do the thing that they want to do, whether it's, I don't know, entrepreneurship or, you know, if you're going through taking care of like a family member or something, or, you know, someone's diagnosed with a long-term illness, it's, it's really, uh, it's just, 
it makes you feel like you're not alone, even right. if it's a stranger sharing and, their story about it. And let's be honest with the with the pandemic over the last year in these uh, unprecedented times, as Todd <laughs> and I like to say. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you've got a lot of content. So in a way you were, you were, you, you, you saw the future more than I did in it because who knew this was going to happen. And now there's a ton of content out there. And again, like I had COVID and Todd and I made a conscious, not that we're a couple, but we made the conscious decision together that we're not going <laughs> to post about it because his family had it too. I yeah. had it, you know, my godson had it, his son. So we made a conscious effort. Not we're like, we're not going to post about it. You know, there's a lot going on, but or uh, your uh, shot. Or the sh or the vaccines, we're not gonna. Yeah, there's too many people out there. Like, pretty much all your friends are gonna get the shot, so you're not really. Yeah, you're just drawing attention to yourself. You're not really inspiring or helping. Whereas I feel like with what you're talking about, there could be there's other people out there with content, and it's just a new way to deliver it. And I think it's something that with your business model, we can get more into it another time. Um, of how that happens, but it just seems now more relevant than it did at the time. And I think, it, you know, it's a huge kudos to you with, um, for the idea. That's great. Yeah. Thank you. Thank so you. with the coffee confessional name, yeah, here's a, here's a coffee confession right from me. Oh Ready? boy, here we go. Yeah. We'll test it I've out. never had coffee in my life. So having said that, what is it about coffee that everybody loves? Why is coffee such a, uh, I don't know. It brings people together. I got uh, yeah. people. Hey, let's get together for coffee. I got to get you on Jing's Instagram live. She does an Instagram live on about coffee. why people love coffee. Well, yeah. And different coffees. And I'm not saying it in a negative way. I'll go to yeah. places and I, or, you know, I order uh, hot chocolate. That's with my whipped thing. cream with whipped cream, extra whip, <laughs> a grande with extra whip. So yeah. what is it? What yeah, is it Jing, about coffee? Jing, what is it about the coffee? Well, well, when we say coffee, too, I mean, obviously, we also mean like all the other beverages like green matcha and rooibos tea and sure. everything. But ultimately, I I mean, I really want to hear Rebecca's opinion on this, too, eventually. But I think that like coffee is just something that has carried across so many different cultures. Right. Like, I, you know, in Ethiopia and in um, Greece and Turkey and everything, like there's some sort of ritual that brings people together and they share a cup of coffee uh, or if they share tea or something, it's kind of this idea of, you know, having a warm beverage and offering that to people. Um, and just like really, you know, whether it's a meal or coffee, maybe it's wine. It's that idea of a communal gathering. Um, but then, you know, on top of that, I personally find that there's so many um, health, like health benefits to caffeine and coffee in general, including, you know, it makes you mentally sharp it um this is not a medical show so i'm not giving medical advice but it does has there has been studies <laughs> that shown it's like prevented you know onset of alzheimer's and a lot of other things um i never knew that you know but i would just say like to people that don't drink coffee it's fine it's you know i know actually a lot more people now as i'm going into the business that are like oh i don't like the taste of it hmm. or you know it gives me the jitters or some people actually feel like you know it makes me really fatigued because it you know caffeine does actually drain your adrenals so you just have to be careful about the time that you drink it and how much you're drinking it and so yeah but i mean that's my two cents on like why it's such a wow. popular beverage and even now i feel like like it's actually more of a like a trend like sort of like you actually see people like oh look at my beautiful ice uh cold brew with you know oh. lavender syrup and rose yep. petals on you know it's like this whole <laughs> 
like yeah. Instagram movement of um, beautiful drinks and beautiful people. <laughs> right. But that's good for her business for I, when people do that. I know. You know, they, when they Todd tag I've, the business in it. Todd but. and I have seen some people that just literally take pictures of their receipts like this is what I got today. Well, it, the the reason I don't <laughs> like coffee and it, it, I found out later in life that my two older brothers have they've never had coffee either. And it's, it's all the same reason was because our parents mm-hmm. would smoke cigarettes and drink coffee at the kitchen table. And you equated and it, it disgusted us. And yep. we equate both those with the same oh. thing. I don't dislike the smell. Of, I love the smell of coffee. Smell is great. I just don't want to. I don't want to taste it because I just think actually it's, sells candles, coffee candles. Really? Yeah. She has candles. Like, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I do have so, coffee candles. That's a good way to get around it. Yep. <laughs> Thanks, so, George, for the plug. <laughs> so absolutely, of course. So Jing, you mentioned Rebecca. I think it's time to bring Rebecca into the conversation. Rebecca, yeah. nice to have you back. Hi, thank you. So happy to be back, and I love the subject matter. So even better. That's great. So Rebecca, just just based on what we've been talking about, just some some initial thoughts and any any questions you might have. Just any anything any initial thoughts would be great to start off. Yeah, with. I mean, well, so first of all, Jing, I'm I love coffee. Starbucks was one of my first, I guess you could call it, real jobs. I started as a barista and worked my way up into management. Mm -hmm. And that's actually where I developed my love for running retail businesses. So that's, that's kind of my connection to coffee. Um, But more than that, everything that you were saying about, you know, what it does for people emotionally and from a community standpoint, for me, at least is, is very true. And it doesn't have to be coffee. It could be tea. It could be another, you know, beverage, but um, one of the original visions, and I think they still hold, hold true to this for Starbucks was that it wanted to become a third place environment, meaning when you're not at home third and you're space, not at work, yeah. third space, yeah, you want to go to Starbucks. You want to go to your local coffee shop. It should feel comfortable. It should be like a living room. Those conversations, whether they're happy, whether they're sad, whether they're life altering should be able to happen in those environments. So, you know, that what what you're describing with coffee confessionals really resonates for me because I observe that over the course of my five years at Starbucks, you know, I observed people having deep conversations, fun conversations, like short, long, et cetera, you know, all kinds of things happening in that environment. So I think from a community building standpoint, especially as we come out of this pandemic, like who would not want to go and be in an environment like that? I mean, people are craving it. They're craving interaction. I mean, we're zooming right now and seeing each other on a screen, but oh my goodness, if I could sit across from all of you and just have a cup of coffee in my hands and just chat that, that would feel like such a luxury right now. Yeah. I thank you so much, Rebecca. I actually, it's in a weird way, like even with the pandemic, I just feel like so many people, my friends have been just telling me that it's really been kind of a like a very, very uh, a big challenge in in terms of like mental health, you know, and feeling depressed and lonely. And I, I really feel like it's almost like the second pandemic is the actual, you know, people feeling like after being isolated for so long and now allowing to do things. And it's almost like re-socializing everyone. It's okay to talk to a stranger, you know, it's okay to go up and like share your story. I feel like, you know, because Sometimes I see people and it's like, do I say hello? Do I, do I pull my mask down? Do I, are we shaking hands? You know, it's so weird. You have to like train right. yourself to be social again. Exactly. Yeah. Do you do that weird elbow bump thing? Yeah. Like, yeah. But I mean, it's such a, 
even when you think about in the business world, pre-pandemic, you know, networking, you would go, oh, let's go meet for coffee. Let's go meet for coffee and talk about that idea that you have or that, you know, film that you want to make or whatever it is. So it was just such a part of society that I see it returning much like many things that we used to do pre-pandemic. I see it returning in such a meaningful way. Yeah, I have a question in Jing and then Rebecca or, or vice versa. How do you see attracting people back into the to a space? Like, how do you bring people back into a space? I think, you know. You know, King Kong versus Godzilla maybe brought some people back into the theaters, but let's be honest, theaters are pretty crappy. That wasn't enough to bring me in and whatever. I'm an old man, but it's mm-hmm. like, I, I just think that, that there's, there's also the, you know, what brings people back in? Like, well, what is that? Is it just, you open a coffee shop and people come or have you given thought about what's going to bring people in? So, I mean, I don't really have like a great answer for this, but this is some There's of no what right I've been kind of noodling in my head. Um, but I think like you really have to meet people where they're at. So not everybody is comfortable, obviously, stepping inside the store. And I've actually seen a lot of stores where they're just going to continue their model right now of um, you ordering outside. There's like a table outside. They'll take the order on their POS system, go back, make it and then bring it outside for you. So um, I think it's, you know, having, if you have the luxury to have a little bit of an outdoor area for people to sit and still congregate, you know, so they feel, you know, they, if they don't want to come in. But, you know, I, I think it is also about bringing people inside again, but like really, really from um, other shop owners that I've talked to, like really emphasizing with signs, like, you know, we are, we've cleaned after every, you know, and we're COVID, you know, we're, we don't let employees you know, without checking their temperatures in and things like that. So just like really highlighting how closely and carefully you're following the protocols and all of this. And I think just like the signage itself will make people a little bit comfortable. And again, I think it's just really like a re-education into, um, you know, how to be social again, whether it's like telling people through your newsletters or, you know, other forms of, um, you know, other forms of outreach. But it's, I don't think it's like right away, people are just going to be like swarming through the doors of, um, retail again, but that's, that's just my opinion. I think it's going to have to kind of trickle in a little bit. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think you're absolutely right. Stage one will be very much focused around how is your space compliant? How are you protecting your customers? How Mm -hmm. are you protecting your employees? But beyond that, I actually think, and this is where you, your ability to storytell to storytell Jing is going to be so critical is reminding people what they loved about coming out to the coffee shop. You know, whatever you do in your Instagram lives or in, you know, whatever kind of marketing, even grassroots Mm -hmm. marketing that you do. um, I think that that will be a differentiator that can be a really strong differentiator because you're right, like to kind of use the, the big giant coffee cup mermaid example, Starbucks has not reopened their seating in a lot of areas, right? In certain states they have, but in a lot of states they have not. And where they have, it's very, very limited. And it frankly does not feel very welcoming, not because it's their fault, because they can't be welcoming because they can't have a lot of people in there, right? Right, So I think once you establish your environment and you set those rules and parameters, you make it very clear to your customer base, you you can also kind of tell this story around why people should be meeting for coffee again and why they actually want you like trigger something in their brain that reminds them how enjoyable it was, you know, and like how that that. kind of dopamine starts to get going. So that's, I think that's like stage two. And then I think to take it a step further, 
there's this like stage three that I get really excited about with like food and Bev and consumables. That's like Mm -hmm. the gamification of, you know, the habit, like you can, you can start kind of a game to form the habit. Like a lot of coffee shops have rewards. You can do some kind of rewards, but you can even do something that's like unique to you. Like, you know, if you come in, um, I don't know if you come in five times in a week, maybe you Mm -hmm. get some sort of like confessional, like perk, you know, newsletter type thing, or you get access to, you know, I don't know what it is. If it's like content for you because you are a filmmaker, you know, if you can kind of tie it back into your other passions and skills, I, I think gamification of in particular, highly consumable, like food and Bev and CPG is something that's like really low hanging fruit. Oh, I love that. I actually, so during the pandemic, I, when I, we were still looking for a storefront, um, I was like, okay, what am I going to do? Like, I can't just, you know, wait for, uh, wait for leases and inventory to come up. So I ended up launching the Coffee Confessionals um, e-commerce store. So we have like mugs and all of those goodies that I actually want to be able to provide um, if you join, you know, the Coffee con- uh, Confessionals community fan club or whatever, you know, you can kind of get your own mug and get percentages off. So I love the idea that you were, um, you know, what you were sharing of Re- Rebecca. And it's funny because initially in the beginning, I wanted there to be like, I know a lot of coffee shops used to do, you can buy a mug and you can be like uh, one of those founding members and you have a mug and you know, we could put your mug in the store or you can bring your mug in for refills mm. um, and you can get a discount on the refills. But then I was like, mm, I guess I'll have to throw that, that, <laughs> that idea out since it's not really, you know, that COVID safe anymore. So that's right. not going to be, I was like, Oh, I really love that mug idea. <laughs> but you could, okay. So people love free swag. I mean, they will go, and free by free, I mean, you make it so that someone buys X amount or spends X yeah. amount and then they get this quote unquote free mug, which is not free because they already paid for it because they bought so yeah. much product from you. <laughs> but the the psyche doesn't work that way. Right. So like you could do something that's like become a, you know, mug holder and we'll ship it to you or we'll give it to you in your next visit or whatever it is, you know, so you, you could actually kind of do that right. Personal cups are not at least most of the coffee shops right now are not accepting them. Yeah. Um you know, but maybe in the future. Yeah, maybe one day. But I, I kind of like that. I mean, it would still be sustainable, more sustainable. So, I, I but a, you know, there's other. I guess there's other ways to do it. Yeah. yeah, I have a question for both of you too. Like, how with everything that's happened, is location as valuable as it once was? Is it all about the high traffic areas, or because now we know that high traffic can be equated with? <laughs> a contagion um <clears throat> it's like is, is is it about the destination now or is it still about location 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 you got to be where the traffic is i'm just curious what your thoughts are i'll let rebecca start with this one. <laughs> <laughs> all right so i i do have strong opinions about this i still think the old adage of go where your customers are is always what you should use as your North star. If you're opening a store, go where Mm -hmm. your customers are, but the customers are migrating. So during the pandemic, they are leaving big cities, George, like you said, they're even, you know, like I, I live in New York, I live in Astoria, which is kind of, I guess you could call it a suburb of New York. Um, but I don't go into the city often because I don't want to be in crowds. Whereas before I went in every day. Right. So, you know, I think, 
find where your customers are living and playing because now they work from home. So it used to be live, work and play. Now it's where do you live and play? And you can look for areas that will really add value to the customer. So for example, maybe there's like a Whole Foods and a, a small, like a, like a small kind of lifestyle center where, you know, they're going to need to go there frequently and you plop your coffee shop right there or by a yoga studio or by a, you know, just like something where the customer, your customer base, and you would know this better than me at this point, like your demographic is most likely to go to yoga or most likely to go shop for wine, put yourself mm. next to a wine store, you know, like yeah. look for those areas where your customer is going to go with reasonable frequency and then put your coffee shop there. And you kind of form this little community hub when you do that. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Kind of finding it's like, you're not the coffee shop that's in the middle of nowhere, right? Like sort of right. finding that community sort of retail hub that already exists. Yep, exactly. Um, I, you know, going off of that, I have a question, Rebecca, but what about, what is your thoughts on like trends about in not so much restaurant and cafe, but in, you know, general retail and how that, you know, how that's going to play out in the next couple of years? Because I think, you know, hmm. it's not just people going back to restaurants and coffee shops, but it's also shopping and things like that. And I think, you know, both businesses have sort of, they, you know, will play off of each other as well. Yeah. Yeah. So similar to kind of the go where your customers are, we're seeing large retailers and brands move away from the flagship model. Now, I to be clear, I do not think that large format flagships will die. However, I do think that they will become, uh, you will see them less because what's happening is like even the luxury players of the world, like Gucci and a few others are closing mm -hmm. their large I'm talking 40,000 square foot flags and they're moving yeah. into these smaller format areas that are more in the kind of not necessarily like neighborhood, totally hidden neighborhood, but I would say like community hub type location. So as retail goes that mm -hmm. way, you know, so will food and bev, so will fitness, like all of those things will follow. And, and to be really clear, I live in New York. I love New York. I'm not leaving. New York will come back. If you saw Soho this past weekend, it was bananas. Holiday weekend, beautiful, yep. like 65 degrees, sunny. Oh, I love that. Slammed, you know, like, of course, yeah. people are being safe and wearing masks and stuff still. I think that's those behaviors are here to stay for a while, but people are out. So, you know, that was very encouraging. So I, I don't think that cities are dying or any by any stretch of the imagination. But I do think that the newer brands and probably the brands that share a common customer with you will mm -hmm. be a little bit more careful about and be a little bit more deliberate. Actually, I think deliberate is the right word about where they put their locations and they're not going to do it on Fifth Avenue right away anymore. Right, right. Because yeah. I mean, and real estate is expensive on yes. Fifth Avenue, you know? <laughs> yes. Even though it's come down 30 plus percent, it's, yeah. it's still yeah. up there. Yeah. In a way, Jing, it's, it's, it sounds like, and Rebecca's been in the business before, um, it sounds like it could be an ideal time for you to, to sign that first lease and, and get something started. Um, especially with commercial real estate rates the way they are. And, and based on Rebecca's very sound advice of, um, you know, it's, 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 you know, community hubs where, where stores are downsizing and, and trying to blend in more with the community, get to know their customers better. 
it sounds like it could be a time for, you know, I mean, that's what coffee shops are supposed to be, right? So yeah. I, 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 I actually heard a term that I, uh, the other day someone was saying, I thought it was so interesting and funny, but it, they called it uh, revenge commerce and revenge travel. <laughs> Like coming back with yeah. a revenge because people have been, you know, shuttered for so long. They're like, okay, you know, when I can, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna buy everything. I'm gonna go into stores. I'm gonna travel. I'm gonna go around the world. <laughs> like everything that you couldn't do. It's like telling a kid like they couldn't do everything for a year, and now it's like coming back with a revenge. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think also in the media, it's been likened to the Roaring Twenties because mm. right after the Spanish influenza of 1918, the pandemic where everybody was shut inside and, you know, horrible yeah. things were happening. The 1920s were immediately followed. And, you know, in a way, the pandemic kind of ushered in that era. That's a great point. I agree yeah. with that. So that's going to come back around again. Likely yeah. it'll look different, of course, for us than it did for them. But, you know, I think, yes, people will come out in abundance. Yeah. <laughs> yes. We're selling out shows at the comedy club right now. Yeah. All, this exactly. Whole, this whole right. coming weekend, six shows sold out. Everybody, they yeah. not everybody, but I mean, a lot of people, they want to get out and do something. Yeah. They're just chomping out the bits. Yeah, yeah, they are. And what's interesting, yeah. and and again, Todd and I have been a bit <laughs> critical of it, as I'm sure you have too. It's like there are a lot of people that just did whatever they did anyway. <laughs> Go to you Florida, know. right? <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't talking about that. I'll let Todd and his second wife hash that out together. Um, <laughs> my online girlfriend. Yeah. Oh, different. sorry. Sorry. It's online, not legal yeah. or binding. That's right. Online girlfriend. Oh we can walk away at any time. That's right. Um, anyway, but um, yeah, that that's really interesting. So again, I you know when I think about you know future casting a little bit, it's just an opportune time, I think. But it's also an opportune time to come back. And Rebecca, you and I have talked about this a little bit, and and maybe you can chime in on this with Jing. But Jing, Rebecca and I have talked about how you also have to come back with with a with a different kind of mission, like in a way. And I, I don't love the word mandate, but in a way, consumers have given us as retailers a mandate. They have new habits, right? They shop mm -hmm. more online. They want to get out more. They want to have, you know, quote unquote, an experience. Um, the product has to be really good. They don't have to settle for just this or just that or poor service. It's like, I think the days of just waiting these long lines for a subpar thing are kind of gone. People want to use their time more wisely because the one thing that COVID brought up for a lot of people, and, and unfortunately some people had to experience, you know, loss, um, is that, you know, you have only, you know, you have quality time remaining. How do you want to spend that time? Who do you want to spend it with? And where do you want to do it? Where's going to be the best place to do it? Mm -hmm. So, you know, we've been, we've been given that mandate and it's no pressure, but businesses can't just say, we're going to open our doors and oh yeah, everybody comes back. It's like, <laughs> yeah, people will come back maybe in the beginning, but you've got to right. have you got to have something there. So Rebecca and Jane comment on that. And I'm going to bring something up with Todd. What? We had, we had an experience recently that I want to talk about. And then about. we'll take a call. Yeah. Then we'll take a call. All right. <laughs> go ahead. You guys go ahead. <laughs> oh, I didn't know there were callers on the line. There's no callers. Um, Jane, do you want to take that one first? Uh, sure. Um, so I guess in terms of like people, actually, I don't know. <laughs> Let me think about it. Rebecca, you think that first, sorry. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, so I think again, kind of, George, George and I have worked in a couple of different industries together, you know, technology and apparel and home goods and, you know, these types of things. I think for 
food and Bev, there, there are some differences, but I guess a good starting point um, for you, Jing, might be to just get out there and first and foremost, talk to people about what they want to see from your coffee shop. Like, what did you like about your favorite coffee shop in the before times, right? Like, let's have a conversation about the before times. Take your brain there. What did you love? What didn't you like? Like, what was it about it that you didn't really like, that you didn't enjoy? Did you go every day? What made you want to go every day? Like, you know, find out why, like what drove that consumer behavior and then do it better, you know? Yeah. Um, I love that surveying people beforehand. Exactly. And if you have your location picked, you can actually like sit outside and, you know, do the, what is it, Lucy and Charlie Brown with like a little table (laughs) and like a tip jar and be like, talk to me. For five cents or whatever, you know, it is. Yeah. Um, with a mask on, of coffee. course. <laughs> no, yeah, okay. exactly. Talk to me and here's this coffee and sample the product yeah. and, you know, whatever. I think once you open the, one of my favorite things and potentially one of the most underutilized advantages of having a physical retail presence is that your customers are right in front of your face. So yeah. they can give you direct and immediate feedback. And you can take it and make deliberate changes, you know? So whereas people have been shopping online, you know, there's this, there's this whole talk about retail is dying and we've fast forwarded yeah. 10 years on e-commerce, but like, honestly, very few brands are giving customers the ability to really talk to them. And so I mm-hmm. think once people get back into a physical environment, they'll be like, oh my gosh, a person that I can talk to. So figure out how to yeah. build that community feedback loop into your operations, whether it's like you have monthly tastings for the community and they come in and they literally drive your product development cycle, you know, or you have like some kind of a design competition where you're like, if you could interior coffee shop, the latte art throwdown are very popular. Latte art throwdown. There you go. (laughs) I used to have cappuccino weight competition. Who could get the perfect weight on their cappuccino? I always won, by the way, you know, like you, (laughs) you can do stuff like who has the best foam? Like, you know, you can do kind of like stuff like that. Um, but I just, I think people want to be a part of something they, they want to be listened to first of all, and then they want to be a part of something that's like really offering something to the community, you know, whether it's right. a back component and, and offering a community too for them. Yes, exactly. So that, that's my take on in food and bev specifically, you know, kind of what, what I would do there. Okay. Thank, thank you, Rebecca. Yeah. Um, okay. Now I have <laughs> finally, like my mind is cleared. I have my answer. Um, I think George, you were talking about sort of the trends, um, like what we've seen coming out of COVID. And I think one definitely, which Starbucks already accelerated at is, um, you know, convenience. I think yeah. nowadays people just want things to be even more convenient, you know, like everything delivered and this can't, you know, it can't be, it has to be the kind of drink that I want and I want it fast and I want it now. And, and so that's one thing I think we'll I'll have, definitely have to work on is making sure that, you know, people can, you know, they'll come into stores, but they still want a very easy delivery option. Um, and, you know, now the days of like Instacart and having people delivering your groceries and everything like that. Um, but again, I also think that there's shifts in how people, how people work actually, you know, um, if you're doing a nine to five job that allows you to work remotely, I think that, you know, certain companies are going to be closing down more offices and giving that flexibility 
to their workforce to be <clears throat> able to work from home, to work from, you know, I don't know, to work from outside, to be somewhere. So I think there's a lot of fluidity in where people can go and work from, and which is great, actually, for, um, you know, workspaces and coffee shops and you know, that third place that you mentioned, Rebecca. Exactly. Um, that's that know, third space. I don't right? want to be home all the time by myself. Yeah. Yeah. That's that third space. And that's where I think whether it's a coffee shop or some type of, of food venue or entertainment venue, it's where you can go. You have good Wi-Fi. You can still do a meeting. You can meet people in person and still have your coffee and some type of food. I, I, I just see it playing a bigger role going forward. And that's why I do think it's an opportune time. Mm -hmm. Um, but again, you've got to have, and Jing's not going to share all her secrets today because, you know, she's got some great <laughs> secrets that, that we built into the business. Uh, <laughs> no, I think there's some good stuff for the business that we built in that, 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 that stands out. Um, but I don't think we have to talk about that all. We, I know we don't have to talk about that all here today. Um, one thing I did want to mention, I'd love your opinions on this too. It's, um, Rebecca, you were talking about the flagships and how there's, you know, how, how some flagships scale down. Todd and I, um, actually had a recent experience where Todd actually said, Hey, have you been to the new and Dick's clothing and sporting oh, goods? Yeah. And, and as Todd likes to say, do not go just yeah, Google, don't, don't Google Dick's. Google, Google Dick's, Dick's sporting goods, sporting yeah. goods. Cause if you Google You'll just get Dick's, a surprise, like when I did to look for a location, well, you were probably happy, but well, most people <laughs> would not like that. Yeah. 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 Noted. Um, Sorry, Jing. Yeah. You're, so, yeah, she's disgusted. Yeah, you are, are offending your first guest. You I, know, I know. You know. Sorry. Um, but anyway, Todd Todd had mentioned it to me, and we they had taken over an old Sears, and they got rid of the second floor. Oh, Sears, remember Sears? Yeah, yeah. Sears, Sears mm, for queers. R.I.P. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so it's it's floor to ceiling now. I was going to say floor-to-ceiling dicks. You were. <laughs> it's floor-to-ceiling sporting goods. And it's, and it's you know, they've Two got- Two ladies they, here. They've got a golf, they've got a, uh, you know- a, a, a golf simulator? A, yeah, golf simulator. A climbing wall? Climbing wall. Batting but then, cages? But then you introduced me to the- Outdoor area with the AstroTurf. Yes. Where you can go and play soccer and lacrosse and football. And then mention what happened while we were out there, Rebecca. This what play, This plays into Rebecca's- Oh, we talking to that woman? Yes. Yeah. Maggie. Yeah. Megan. Megan. Double with G. Double G. Yeah. Yep. Double G in her name. Yes. And uh, yeah, she came up and asked us if we wanted to play. That's, I'm not even joking. She goes, you guys want to play? And we're like, oh no, we're just watching two creepy 50 somethings <laughs> over here watching people play. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah. So we just, we talked, what would we talk to her about? I can't remember. She, she came over. She did ask the question just to break the ice. Oh, do you guys want to get out and play? We're like a laughing. And then we just started asking questions about the outdoor space. Like, what is this used for? And she goes, well, you know, it's usually used just for, you know, right now, as you can right. see, it's the younger set families. They want to kick balls. Um, we were laughing because there was a dog off its leash. Yeah, just walking around. Walking around. Yeah. People weren't paying attention. But she did talk about the programming that they're going to be doing there. And this is in a, a mall, which has always been, I don't know, to me, it's always been, yeah, it's a mall. It's an yeah. upstate mall, whatever. Yeah. But they've got this outdoor space now where they can hold competitions. They're going to do movie nights there. Um, during the summers, the kids can come and play and, and, uh, it just adds another element to the, to the retail experience. So even though Rebecca, it's a flagship, it's a flagship with that spin. And that's what I mean. If they just right. opened a big Dick's clothing and sporting goods, it's like, mm -hmm. 
you know, be, uh, great, more of this. But in there, it's like, oh, you got the climbing wall. The outdoor space, though, is what really makes it. It's kind of a, like what Apple would do with its theaters. Like when Apple opened its Berlin store and they had that one floor that was just all an old theater and they, they lovingly yes. restored it. Like that was it. So now you got this outdoor space and it's... um. I don't know. It's it's definitely an attraction. I mean, it, it was is. pretty busy. It was very it, yeah, and it's nonstop. I went with Toby and Casey recently. Yeah, and yeah. if and and if Megan Double G is listening, I'll tell yeah, you she I, isn't. Yeah, she isn't. No. But 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 um, we uh, I'd hire her in a heartbeat. I oh, mean, right. the way she was leading that that whole outdoor thing. She's the program director. The way she saw, you know, here's two guys. She's whether no matter what she was thinking. She approached us, engaged us, made mm -hmm. the connection, did a great job of promoting what the store is all about, what, you know, why you we did it. You guys sound very approachable. I would do the well, same. Well, we were very approachable. <laughs> we're a we handsome just, couple. Yeah, we were a handsome couple. We were yeah. just looking around. And it's called Dick's House of Sport now. It's not called Dick's Sporting Goods. That oh, really? One, the, the, the smaller ones are called Sporting Goods. Oh. This is House of Sport. House of Sport. Thank yeah. you for that. You're welcome. I stand corrected. Sure. But anyway, just, just any initial <laughs> thoughts or, or reactions to, to that? I, I, I don't know. I just, I saw that and I was like, okay, this is, it's not the future, but it's a future. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay. So this, this is really yep. the purpose of a flagship in my mind. I mean, you also have like the giant Nike and Soho that has a basketball court and mm -hmm. a little like soccer area and really there are a couple of things there. Like one, you no longer as a retailer, in particular apparel, right? Or, or apparel and sporting goods, which is what Dick's is. You no longer have to keep every single thing that your company, your brand sells out on the sales floor or even in the building because e-commerce allows you to now introduce an item to a customer and then ship it directly to them, which in the way, 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 way back times, pre-internet, you couldn't do that. So you have these racks and racks and racks and people would have to walk down them. You had to have every single size and every single color and every single thing because there was no other way for people to get things. So now you can actually dedicate less space to your products and you can dedicate more space to showcasing the utility of your products in people's lives. So like for dicks, you could try on shoes, go out on that AstroTurf, run around on the AstroTurf and feel how the shoes feel in the actual environment where they'll be used. So, you know, this, this is the point of a flagship. Like if you're going to open up a 40 plus thousand square foot door, it, it needs to have that utility of like, here's how the product actually enhances your life or enhances your performance or is additive to you in some way. So that to me is like the perfect example of what a flagship should be and not just a giant temple of, you know, endless Columbia shirts or whatever the yeah. brands are. Yeah. So, and, and Jing and I <laughs> talked about this before as a, as an idea a concept, it's like, if you have the right coffee concept, can it scale into businesses like that? So for example, um, they've got a health area. Remember we walked oh, right, by protein yeah. powders yep. and vitamins and supplements and, mm -hmm. but they just, to your point, Rebecca, they just sit on a bunch of shelves. It's like, make it more like a shop mm -hmm. where you can sit down, experiment and try that type of thing. And it's like, Jing, your concept in there would make sense because as much as these flagships are trying to change, you know, Todd and I noticed too, they still have the same old cash wraps. It's like, oh, can't you go mobile? Like, come on, man. Like, and you know, you know, 
get, you know, stanchions are out and all that stuff. And that, that stuff that drives me nuts. It's like, are you kidding? It's like, this is back in the 1980s. Like, let's go a little more mobile. And, and to your point, how do you create these micro experiences in these, in these macro spaces and, and make it a little bit smaller? And Jing, I think that could be another opportunity for yeah. you as you, as you develop out this concept. I know we talked about it with offices, but as we all yeah. know, that's gone the way of the, you know, the dodo, as they say, because, you know, COVID hit. And so offices aren't the same. However, I do think there's another opportunity and, and Rebecca has spoken to this before. There's a thirst for content with some of these big box retailers. Mm -hmm. There's just, they're, they're really thirsty right now. I mean, even hearing you uh, talk about that, the, the word that comes to my mind is like partnerships and maybe something that's, you know, a little bit flexible. And I would love to ask uh, Rebecca for her input on this, but I was thinking like, maybe there's a partnership where you, where you can have another retailer come in and set up something that, um, you know, just maybe for the weekend or for the week or something like that. And, you know, you're driving business both ways, right? It's sort of like this experience with, um, you know, sporting goods or anything like that, or, you know, a different beverage or a different, uh, one of my friends actually just launched her cheesecake, uh, cheesecake line and I'm obsessed with it. And it's like maybe a pop-up bakery or something like that, you know? So, Yeah. Yeah, I think right. Well, I think there is there is a lot of opportunity. And, you know, when I was working now, like kind of in in startup world, one of the main problems is customers don't know who you are because you're too new. And so we would talk about like, who can we partner with where we can both amplify the signal? Like, where's the complimentary? There's a crossover customer, like customers are buying cheesecake, fancy cheesecake, mm -hmm. customers buying fancy coffee, probably a pretty decent crossover there. You yeah. know, like where, where can we find the synergies where it's advantageous to both parties? You blast it out to both mailing lists, you post it on both social accounts, you know, you, you kind of gather the community around it. Um, definitely opportunities there. I think there's, there's also, um, like George said, there are much larger, uh, retailers and even some brands looking for content. And so if you are a content creator, um, that is kind of an invaluable ability to be able to provide them with that content. Like I think about, I mean, they are a media company in their own right, but someone like food 52, right. Mm -hmm. They, they make, they have a small line of kitchenwares, but they mostly sell other people's, but they do, you know, cooking on Instagram and they do, you know, they have their blog and they have their newsletter and they have, you know, those kinds of things, but they're, they're kind of at the, the leading forefront of, you know, foodies, like they, they've kind of become the go-to for foodies. And, you know, is there, is there potentially an opportunity with maybe not them or, you know, with someone like them? that's kind of out there at the forefront, you know, pushing this forward companies like Caraway, Maiden, like people that make like kitchenware dishes, like those kinds mm -hmm. of things, you have to serve coffee in something. You know, I, I would think about those types of brands as well for partnerships. Yeah, and, and look at the brands that, you know, I, I look at brands that, that do the coffee in there and you could say like, you know, Target, okay, they have Starbucks, but it's, it's just that same, it's just a recognition thing. It's not, it's, it's, you're not getting a different experience. If anything, you're diluting the experience, in my opinion. Um, I get it from a distribution standpoint, but you're not about that. It's less about the distribution, more about experience. And I do feel just as, as we kind of tie things up here that it, it, it all comes back to um, 
you know, I think the hyper growth that we were all experiencing for growth at any cost, all these things, like we have the opportunities now to grow really, to grow smart. And that could be at five mm -hmm. locations a year or 10 locations a year. And Jing, you know, you're hopefully, you know, with fingers crossed, we'll, 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 we'll have you back and we'll get updates on this. But as yeah. you open up one location, maybe that one becomes two, three or four. And you might just decide that 10 locations and is all you want. You might want to stay in one geography. You might just do the rest of your business online and just, you know, do the beans and, and other products that you have there. You might just do a mar an online marketplace. I mean, who knows where it will go to. But this whole growth at any cost, like what we're going through with with you know, these new things, these SPACs and new ways to go public and all this. I, to me, it's, it's, it's another housing crisis of 2008 coming our way if we're not careful. So oh, we got to be back. Well, no, because yeah. Rebecca mentioned the roaring twenties and we all know what happened right after the roaring twenties. So we've got to yes. be the great depression. Oh, we got to be yeah, really careful. Mm, mm, yep. Got to be really careful. We, we got, we, you know, yeah. I, I hate being on these roller coasters because you just know that but what came after the Great Depression? World War II. Well, that, you want to just run through history? No, right. not really. But, you know, that's good. <laughs> um, anyway, ladies, it's been great having you on. Um, I think we're off to a great start. Yeah, this was fun. Yeah. And we're definitely yeah. absolutely going to do this again. Um, so just to remind everybody, we've been talking with Jing Lin of Coffee Confessionals, a startup based out of Los Angeles that is looking to open its first location. You can find her at Jinxta and on Instagram and we'll we'll put this all on our uh, on our on our sites when and we promote the show. And too. at Coffee Confessionals as well. So at Jinxta and at Coffee Confessionals. At Coffee Confessionals also does a live Instagram live. So make sure you when you sign when you sign up for them you can you can tune in uh, when they go Are live. Are we doing it again with the same people? Uh, yeah, we actually oh, yeah? will probably bring uh, we'll probably bring in a, a new person as well. We'll probably bring in another startup, and then Jing can start it. You know, we just keep rotating people out. Yeah, oh, maybe that's fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah I like it could that. be interesting. So it's great, and I think it could become a, a separate concept. From when Curious will we have them back, and we can talk pop culture with them? Just humanize these people, not I, just talk business. I agree. <laughs> I agree. I think we could do that too. Yeah, let's do um, that. And then. Uh, We've also been talking with Rebecca Kondrat of Kondrat Retail and also mm -hmm. the newly formed Retail Plus. Um, and uh, Rebecca's been on our show before and uh, we'll, be, we'll be happy to uh, promote and give you guys all the links that you need to look up these fabulous women that are uh, changing things for the better. So guys, thank you guys yeah, and gals. Thank thanks you thanks so for being much. here. Thank thank was, Rebecca, I was just scribbling notes they, the entire time. About, Jean, like, we're going we'll, to, we're going to stay in touch. We're going to oh, keep this, talking. We're friend sure. makers too. Well, that's what Curiously George friends. is all about. <laughs> we're, you're curious we're about makers. Yeah. You're curious about people and you make friends and it works really well. Friend makers. It was a cool concept. I liked the idea. And uh, I remember when you brought it up, I was like, huh, how are we going to pull this off? You pulled it off. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Good job. I think, yeah, we'll talk. We'll have a post-mortem. We'll talk about it. But I, yeah, I you think did with, well. well, you you also helped me because remember I was thinking doing, no, I was thinking about doing it bigger and you're like, look. Oh, yeah. Do it with too it. many voices. Too many voices. Right. Yeah. It's spoiled. I mean, it's you could have a show. third and I can just tap out and, you know. Why do you always do that? No, I need you here. No, but you, you got the, you know, the. Oh, here we go. Bring out the. What? No, no, I'm, just, I'm saying you could have more guests and talk business. Yeah, or I could tap out and maybe you could, and you could if talk it was pop comics, culture. If yeah. It, yeah, and talk pop culture. I, I'll do that I, all day long. I know. I think we need to do that as well. But so that's what this show is The business about. world is far behind me. Well, but I, I know think, it. Well, you know it and you've got it. Hey, 
Comedy at the Carlson's a hell of a business, and it's going to be. Again. I wanted to ask her. I mean, I didn't have to ask Jing, but remember when people just used to sit around and drink Sanka and Brim and have yeah. friends over? Yeah, people brim. don't do that anymore, do they? Fill in, it to in, the in, rim with Brim. <laughs> you remember Sanka? That's for people that needed to be regular. Well, and that's then, coffee in general, I think. Yeah. No, no, but that stuff. My goodness, Brim and Sanka. I like, oh yeah. No, I, I like I like coffee. Fill it to the rim with Brim, and then that scary woman from oh, Folgers, yeah. Mrs. Yeah. Olson or whatever. Mrs. Olson. She right. was like from Friday the Thirteenth. She was like an extra. There's right. also chock full of nuts. Remember all the fun names they had yeah. at coffees? Yeah, chock full of nuts. Yeah, it was good too. Yeah, that was that was the name of a drag queen once. Yeah, chock full of nuts. Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. yeah. No, it's a good. No, you're not. It's a good one. It's a good one. Yeah. All right. But, um, now you took it right in the toilet. I know. All right. Let's 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 say goodbye, George. All right. Goodbye, George. <laughs>